0: Again, and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp, and as always, I am joined this time over the Pacific Ocean by Will Muirden. How's it going today, Will?
1: Really good, man. It's it's so good that we've been able to consistently do this. I was I was thinking that we weren't gonna get this opportunity, but you are kind of really committed to the cause and making time from your holiday, which is essentially what you're on, a taxpayer-funded yeah. holiday uh to to put these episodes together so it's it's great man what's happening
0: you you are so full of shit this is the worst holiday i'm paying for this privilege and it is these kids are starting to do my fucking head in like don't get me wrong (laughs) like teaching i like what i do however 10 days with relentless teenagers who still can't quite understand the concepts of being in a different country and that being a Bogan Australian doesn't really fly over here so well. So they're getting at me a fraction.
1: Okay, yeah, and we, and we must apologize for our listeners. We are a, a day late getting this out. We normally like to get it out at the start of the week, but you had a bit of a peanut allergy emergency yesterday and I had the new FIFA game, so I wasn't really
0: pushing too hard. Okay, yeah, I mean, obviously my Japanese language skills is uh, uh, is elite so i was able to converse extremely effectively with doctors about a peanut allergy and having to give an epi pen and all that sort of stuff so that all happened but yeah all good uh the particular individual is fine now so that's the most important thing um but yeah i mean there's been a few other bits and pieces going on i haven't i literally have not had a single drop of alcohol it's been 10 days 10 days nice no i haven't had a chance to scratch myself uh it is uh it's it's like going like i know you've got like a what a two-year-old it's like coming up on yeah so you would think like going away with teenagers would be easier than that but it's not i'm effectively here with 16 two-year-olds who need their hands held constantly anyway unless they're on snapchat or something but no it's good i mean japan's good things are inefficient here it's hot and sweaty. Storms are coming. The food's delicious. The people are great. The, you know, the plastic usage is unbelievable. Um, and the this, the bullet train goes really fast. The Shinkansen is legit fast. I was on that today. 300 k's an hour that thing moves at.
1: it Quick enough to, that it could play wide receiver at Alabama. That's what I've heard. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, moves about as fast as I run. So... Uh, anyway, so yeah, a bit of news about Japan, but we've got a lot to get through today, mate. So let's let's move this let's move this on. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into the teeth of it. So got a bit of news to touch on. We're going to hit a couple of our little segments that we're going to start introducing. We've got our clip of the week to get to, uh, which I'm taking over this time, which I'm a little bit nervous about. Uh, we've I'm got excited. game re. Yeah, uh, um, I'm toey about it. Uh, we've got game recaps, we have got uh, helmet stickers to give out, the Aussies in action, bold predictions, I crashed and burned again, and on the punt as well. So in terms of news, where do you want to start? Chris Ash is the man who has now been fired after uh, not such a great job at Rutgers. He's been there for, what, three and a bit years now, I think, Uh, and he is... And he is now out. Are there any thoughts on that for him?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, he's the first to go. So the first of what will probably be many as the season goes on. But it's always interesting to see when these pop up mid-year. He hasn't had a great run of success. And then the shellacking at the hands of Michigan was the last straw and they've moved on. So, yeah, it's an interesting one for Rutgers because they've never really been a prolific uh, program. But they obviously want more from their head man than what they were getting. So I understand it.
0: Yeah, and it'll be hard to know where you go from here. Like a lot of like these top coordinators, they're probably looking at Rutgers going, eh, maybe I'll pass on this one. It's New York. You got like plenty of people in there. Not a whole heap
1: of athletes it appears, but a lot of people.
0: I think it's like a big basketball area. But uh yeah, I mean, it's just... It's going to be tough for Rutgers to turn this thing around, and and you know, the Big Ten will be hoping that they can actually contribute something. Anyway, let's move forward, and and we'll keep we'll monitor that situation, and and we'll let the people know just uh, how intensive this coaching search is going to be for Rutgers, and then uh, where they go from here. The other thing yep. I did want to highlight is the pay to play bill. Uh, has been given the tick of approval by the governor and been signed off on in the state of California. Uh, It won't be actioned until 2023. Uh, There's obviously a lot of fine print, I assume, to get through. Florida has just announced that their bill is making its way through government at the moment. So, this is going to be an interesting time in this Uh, paying players' landscape that is potentially just on the horizon for college football and the NCAA.
1: Yeah, and we are one step closer to having NCAA back on our PlayStation screens.
0: The only thing I would say, which I know you're banging the jump for, is that I don't know that it'll be called NCAA. We don't know the outcome of this situation. We're going to be monitoring it, but we haven't given it much airtime and uh, we just wanted to acknowledge that this has gone ahead. And this potentially could change the landscape of college football. It might not as well, but it could change the landscape of college football. Of course, if you receive any benefits, you are not eligible to be involved in the NCAA. So, if Californian players elect to receive anything for their likeness or their name, then they will be ineligible for the NCAA, which could make teams effectively ineligible. Uh, but I don't know if that'll happen and there's a lot more to play out in this space. Absolutely. All right. Now, your favorite segment. I'll let you start, but give me the juice. Tell me what has happened in this particular week, week five of college football. We're 33%, a third of the way through the season. Uh, who grabbed your attention and why?
1: I do have a lot of favorite segments, but they all just tend to be the ones that I come up with, so that's probably fair. Uh, For me this weekend, it is uh, Pony Up, baby. They're back. Oh, wow. SMU is ranked in the AP poll for the first time since 1986.
0: Was Eric Dickerson still there then?
1: Fuck knows, but that is before we were born, which is a long time ago.
0: Well, that was the height of, like, the Pony Express, right? If you haven't yeah, seen well, that Yeah, well, even then, either. I think that was yeah.
1: before. Them. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they had that and then they were dropped out and then they had all the sanctions come about and then they've never recovered. So, yeah, as you were kind of alluding to, there's there's the ESPN 30 for 30 on it. It's a fascinating story where they got the, the death penalty, um, which, yep. which sanctions that were imposed on the program for violations that they had committed. And it has really just destroyed the football program to the point where it's been, however long, 30-odd years. But finally, after a 5-0 and start, they're back.
0: Go on, SMU. There you go. The boys in Texas, they'll be happy doing things, yeah. making things yeah. happen.
1: That was somewhere we visited too. Uh, what about you, mate? What did you, what did you enjoy over the weekend?
0: Uh, I enjoyed a fair bit of football, actually. It was a sneaky, really good uh, week of college football. Uh, it was. But the thing But the thing that stood out to me has to be, without a doubt, Devonta Smith, uh, the Alabama wide receiver, who extremely talented, probably at this stage known more for his catch. Uh, now, that is thunder going off in the background, if you hear that, because the storms are coming in here in... Where are we? Kyoto at the moment. So... Uh, are you
1: traveling with the Japanese Naval Brigade to Pearl Harbor? No. Is this Pearl, Har- Pearl Harbor 2? No. Is Ben Affleck back in it? No. <laughs> what is Did that? he die in the original?
0: It was Josh Hartnett, wasn't it? Was he the one that died or lived or something? I don't know. Live Tyler? <laughs> Dude, what are we
1: doing here? I don't know. Let's get back on track.
0: Okay, so Devonta Smith had the best, one of the best games uh, in Alabama receiving history. Uh, He had uh, an absolute truckload of yards. He had 221 by halftime. He finished with 274 and five touchdowns. Again, most notably known for the catch that he made, or the, the game-winning catch uh, that Tua threw to him in the in the title game two seasons ago. But he's just gone and set a massive, massive record for the Crimson Tide, uh, and that'll be a tough one to beat. I mean, mo- all those numbers, I believe, are records. And what an absolute freak of a game. Uh, you don't see those very often, and I couldn't help but, you know, look at that particular stat line I think just what an absolute weapon. So I think we can almost close the book on Devonta Smith and just go, you know what? We don't need to say he's that good anymore. We know he is. Uh, So we'll just assume from this point on that when we're talking about Devonta Smith, we acknowledge that he is a fantastic player.
1: Yeah, and I mean, what makes it even more impressive is the amount of talent that they have around him. It's not a LaVisca Chenault Jr. sort of situation where he is the man, the offense goes through him, feed him the ball, and then, you know, it blows up like this. Every other dude in that lineup is as dangerous, if not more, than he is. So, for him to explode in that sort of way is truly impressive.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, All right, lay down Sally. Yes. Now, this, of course, is in honor of Sally Robbins, the uh, Australian rower who, you know, just pulled the pin which shows she a did. great attitude, really, just in general. Uh, but who else. was the team <laughs> Who was the team that uh, fell in a bit of a heap for you this week? So mine
1: wasn't was- uh, a team as such, but I, I did text you about this uh, when it was playing out. So Virginia, Notre Dame, uh, it was actually a pretty good game to watch, tight tussle uh, that I tuned into. And halftime, Virginia were up 17 to 14. It looked like we had the makings of a very good game. Uh, coming out of half... Time ESPN or whoever was covering the game had inside the locker room access for that halftime. So we were able to hear Brian Kelly's halftime address to his students. And I love hearing that shit because, you know, it's being a sportsman myself, I've I've heard a lot of sort of stuff and and I like the really good coaches and the way that they do things differently. What I got from Brian Kelly was not that. It was the most cliched up and down fucking we need to execute better. We're down. But if we do our job from here on in, we'll win this. Like it was just so boring. And like, I could wheel anyone out there to deliver that exact same thing. I I didn't get anything out of it. And I was disappointed from that because I like it when I hear something new or a different take on things or something. And it certainly wasn't that.
0: So you just want Mike Leach interviewed every time? Is that what you're after?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just something more than that. Like, really, I, I'm not asking, I'm like, I'm not looking for a big rah rah speech that, to, to try and deliver something from the guys, but something a little bit more uh, insightful than the generic, you know, we need to do our jobs. If you execute and do your job, you will get away with this. And then coming out of the half, you know, it was such a flat one, and I texted you that, and I was like, that's that shithouse. Virginia come out and pooch kick the uh, first kickoff and get the ball back. And I was like, that's justification for what I'm saying here in the shit preparation for the guys. They weren't dialed in because they've all heard that since they were playing peewee football and Virginia are going to stick it up here. But then they managed to turn it around, execute and win the game.
0: Yeah, I don't really I don't really know about this. I don't have a massive issue with that. There's lots of like Nick Saban says that weekly, Bill Belichick in the NFL says that weekly. Not everyone is a personable guy and I don't go I don't know, the results sort of speak for itself. Brian Kelly has been successful certainly on whatever measure you want to you know, I guess quantify that in. He has had success and the way he interviews doesn't really bother me too much.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's less about the way and it's more the content that's being said. So like Belichick's different in when you can get anything out of him. I think what he delivers is quite unique and and his take on things and what he puts there where this was just very generic textbook shit that I, I would rather kind of something more specific that people might actually use to get an advantage or to do something differently that would have an impact on the field.
0: So, what do you want him to say? Something like, oh, the O-line needs to do a better job run blocking? Like, is that enough? Is that specific enough for you? Would you prefer even more detail, which he's probably not going to give up to the Yeah, I I don't know.
1: I I guess that's what I'm after. I'm after that added level of something out of there and and not just that. And maybe it is because the cameras were in there, but for me, it it left a bad taste in my mouth. What about you? What have you got?
0: I feel like you just want NFL Films live where- Yeah, we're getting it with
1: uh, HBO.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Same at, um, four episodes. Yeah, yeah. Four programs. I haven't spent much time on it, to be honest with you. My biggest disappointment for the for this week, but it probably rolls into last week, has been Maryland. Uh they came out and put an absolute whooping on a ranked Syracuse team, and everyone thought, you know what, this is going to be a fantastic opportunity. They had a, they had a letdown against Temple, and everyone was like, yeah, okay, that's you know whatever. Maybe it's a bit of a letdown, but here's their chance to get that statement win against Penn State, a good team, but on the road, and they completely dropped the ball. That running game cannot get going. Mike Loxley struggled, I suppose, as an offensive coordinator and Penn State absolutely destroy the Terps on their home patch to the tune of 59 to nothing and to me that has been a massive letdown you want to see you want to see inroads yeah if they get beaten by a better team if Sean Clifford decides that he goes off yeah that's fine but taking bad angles in defense missing tackles uh, just getting absolutely dominated up front doesn't show any signs of progress for Maryland after a bit of excitement around them last year and then leading into this year. And they just haven't got it going. And it's been extremely disappointing. And I could see them, you know, getting to a bowl now may become a bit of a struggle for the Terps.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is the definition of laying an egg. Uh, they got absolutely whacked 59 nothing. And. It is disappointing, you're right, because they did have that promising start and they're a program that had that injection of cash from the Under Armour brand and they looked like they were turning the corner and now they are certainly not. So that's a a good call, Mark.
0: All right. Uh, Let's move on just quickly. Another... segment making its debut this week is going to be well you're going to have to talk us through it because your name i'm still not quite sure i've got my head around it so something about buying a pet from the pet store or something i don't know you're gonna have to talk us through it mate no, so this
1: one is actually your uh, your brainchild here. You've come up with this, which is nice, contributing to the show for the listeners out there. So if anyone does feel that this is uh, not a great segment, please direct it at Aaron uh, in any of the commentaries th- through to us on Twitter and Instagram. But this one here is essentially us trying to identify uh, fatal flaws within teams. So the, the title of it is uh, Off to the Vet. So that, that may have been me. So if you've got a problem with the title, you can come straight at me. But <laughs> off to the vet. Uh, and the concept here is that I'm going to take my pet team, whichever team that is that I select, down to the vet. Uh, lovely Aaron's got his white coat on. He's the, I don't know, what's our equivalent of Bondi? He's the Glenelg vet. Uh, <laughs> okay.
0: and And
1: he is going to give us a diagnosis on the team, tell us, you know, what's what's wrong with them uh, and then essentially uh, advise us whether we should be putting them down or if there's hope for them yet. So uh, off to the vet, mates. This week I am coming down with Michigan. Michigan are the team that I've walked into your little veterinarian clinic. Okay.
0: What okay. have you got so, for me? Well, I'll pick up Michigan. I will put a little bit of dog food Uh, on the table, so the head's down, we lift the tail. I've got my rectal examination tools and away we go with Michigan because I think they are dog doo-doo at the moment. The defense for the Wolverines has actually been okay. I think we thought there was going to be, with their large amount of turnover, and not only turnover but in terms of seniors, but also turnover of extreme productivity and extreme talent on that defensive side. The defense for Michigan has been... You know, okay. Outside of uh, probably the game against Wisconsin, uh, where, you know, they were just out of position. Uh, They got, there was a couple of alignment issues that looked to be a bit of a problem on defense, but their defense has been solid enough. The offense has been an absolute train wreck. And I know a lot of people probably think that I'm going to gear this diagnosis towards. Uh, Josh Gaddis and his offense coming over from Alabama and just a little bit of a theme around that I'm starting to notice around Alabama coordinators on the offensive side is that they're struggling a little bit Josh Gaddis is struggling at Michigan Mike Loxley while was going okay struggling at Maryland in the last two games Dan Enos struggling at Miami offensively Uh, so a little bit like the Bill Belichick Uh, coordinators moving on into the NFL as head coaches, they don't seem to be having a lot of success. So uh, there's potentially a little bit of a connection there, but I digress a fraction. To me, I'm not going to talk about Josh Gattis. We can go over the offense and Shea Patterson and all that sort of stuff as much as we want. To me, we need to have a look at the guy at the top And I thought he was on the hot seat last year. I think his seat has to be toasty, toasty warm at the moment. And Jim Harbour continues to disappoint in Michigan. And I believe that the disjointed feeling around the Michigan program, which I did speak a little bit about last week in in contrast to Wisconsin, which I believe is extremely united. Michigan don't appear that way. And, as a result, I think Jim Harbaugh may be the guy to get the axe. Okay. We've, we've seen this in the past. We've seen it at San Francisco where he got them to a Super Bowl, which was fantastic. And uh, But then they went off a cliff really, really quickly. Uh, the same thing sort of happened at Stanford a little bit going well back. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Michigan – go completely off a cliff here, Jim Harbour's tenure runs out and just the, you know, some coaches aren't long-term coaching position guys, like they don't stay there for 20 years or 30 years, not everyone's a Dan Schneider, okay, not everyone is a, uh, your mullet man at Oklahoma State, all right, not everyone is a lifer for a ball club and Jim Harbour appears to be that guy that, Potentially starts rubbing people a little bit the wrong way, especially as the success starts to dwindle. So he needs to have a really long, hard look at the mirror in the mirror. And uh, we saw Jimbo Fisher get fired from a, a position, you know, two years after winning a national title and and appearing to look really secure. So that whole thing going well off a cliff wouldn't surprise me if Jim Harbor is done at the end of the year.
1: Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, I, did play get fired or did he jump ship?
0: It was a, it was you know like a, uh, feel free to leave, but if not, then we will let you go.
1: Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I think this one really does come down to the Ohio State game. Obviously, they they can't have any more outings like they did against Wisconsin. I think they can probably drop games, but not in that sort of fashion. Uh, But then ultimately it's going to come down to that one because I don't think he's been able to get that win there yet and that is such a huge rivalry that that is going to really dictate things for him. So with that all said, do you see uh, any chance that they could potentially start to get things going, maybe win that uh, matchup in the big rivalry game against Ohio State, find a way back for a rematch against Wisconsin, win that and then get into the playoff or Or is my poor Michigan here uh, up against it? Uh,
0: I think we would want to be having a serious look at a lethal injection. I'm, I'm off Michigan. I was off them last year, and I know you were banging the drum for them, and then I got on board late, and I was like, yep, this year will be the year they've failed to deliver. And I think for me... There is no way they're keeping up with Ohio State. And Wisconsin look obviously very crisp as well. You are an also run at the moment, Michigan. So uh, you're just a bit of a limp greyhound. I need to be a little bit careful because I know that hits close to home. Um, yeah, easy there. But this greyhound needs to be taken off the track and uh, sent to a better play. Re-hom- rehomed. Yeah, rehomed. Rehomed. Yep, rehomed in the sky.
1: Okay, cool. That Yeah, that was good, mate. I, I like that. And we'll um, maybe come back next week with a, another team for you to diagnose for us.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay, clip of the week. Well, it's my turn this week, um, and I'm really nervous about it, having never called any clips live or anything like that, but I'm going to have a look at the two-point conversion for... Clemson versus North Carolina. Now there is a minute seventeen on the clock. North Carolina have just scored, uh, and that Mac Brown has decided to go for two.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is uh, this is a. Great moment over the weekend. I was watching this game when when it got tight, not from the start, but certainly the last quarter. Uh, I have set a very low bar for you, mate, so I wouldn't be too concerned with the quality of your performance here, but I am eagerly waiting, and I'm sure our listeners will be too. So do you want me to lead you in with something, or are you good to just go in cold?
0: Uh I mean, you can lead me in with something if you want. I don't know really where you're going. I mean, I'm I'm thinking this is more of a radio broadcast, so I'm going to be trying to be as detailed as possible.
1: Okay, excellent. All right, then. Well, uh, this is it. Game on the line. A few seconds to go. Two-point conversion. Over to you, big guy.
0: Okay, so I like the decision for Mac Brown to go for it. The uh, Tar Heels are lining up with... Two receivers to the left. they got Twins to the left. And they've got Javonta Williams in the backfield offset to the right. And here we go. Daz Newsome comes in motion, fakes the handoff. Sam Howard trying to get to the edge. Shut down. That was a disappointing effort. He tries to make a pitch late, but game over. Clemson wins. Clemson escapes. And the number one team in the nation manages to hold on in Chapel Hill. That's good, man. Exhausting exhausting that was good <sighs> that's good that's that
1: really good how how fucking quick is it
0: i know yeah right
1: like there's so I'm much hard. going on in a play and the play lasts all of like six seconds and you, you want to be descriptive but there's just there's only so much you can say the guys that do it have a real talent i'll, I'll give them that
0: yeah oh for sure so, uh, I feel like I could maybe be a colour guy, but it's all happening super, super quick. So, yeah, credit to that. Wouldn't mind trying to call a game at some stage, but we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, a disappointing effort probably for UNC in that triple option. I'm sure we'll get that get to that in a little bit more detail uh, as we go through the game recaps.
1: Yeah, I did like the last-minute pitch, though. I feel like that could have come off, like how we did get it up there, and then it just, <laughs> like the receiver happened to be in a bad spot and wasn't... Oh, yeah. If, if that had happened, that would have been great. That would have been one of those classic college moments. But alas, yeah, not yeah. to be.
0: Not to be. Okay, let's go. Game recaps. We're going to have to blitz through a fair bit of this. But let's start on Saturday. We have got uh, the Duke Blue Devils against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech hosting Duke and your boys the Hokies really really struggled I mean they they went well early they couldn't capitalize and then Duke just seemed to run a whole bunch of crazy offensive stuff uh, including a wishbone setup that they've got. They've got some eye form, but it wasn't until they went five wide in the second quarter they started having success. The defense for Duke was really, really, really good. Ryan Willis struggled with some of the blitzes that he was seeing. They weren't super exotic, but they're enough to cause him trouble. And... Um, the Duke Blue Devils look well coached. Justin Fuente and the Hokies. I am getting further and further off that Justin Fuente train.
1: Yeah, I mean, by looking good early, what they kicked a field goal and stopped Duke from scoring. So that was something. But I
0: mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: Outside of that, they failed to fire a shot. They were, they were super disappointing. And. I am going to have to eat a bit of crow on this one because I was backing Virginia Tech in to kind of be a lot more competitive this year and, and to be competing in the ACC Coastal, and that just doesn't seem to be the case. They were they were beaten by a better team, uh, and I did not expect that. So credit to Duke and their outfit. They're, they're travelling relatively well at the moment. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, David Cutcliffe has turned them into a consistently consistent team, hmm. which has been... Uh, really good outcome for them for a basketball school so well done the blue devils and they're going to be a tough out for anyone in the acc coastal in fact they'll probably win it really but anyway uh they'll certainly have their opportunities all right uh let's move on let's stay on saturday and we look at arizona state taking on number 15 in the country cow now you called this one will so I do need to give you a lot of credit here. I didn't think that going up to Berkeley that Arizona State would get over the over the line for this one. Uh, Eno Benjamin had his first big game of the year. Three touchdowns, 100 yards. I mean, it did take him 29 touches to do that, and he certainly wasn't game breaking. But you know he he finally got going, which was which was good for the Sun Devils, and and they need him to continue to do that. Uh, And Arizona State get their second road win versus a ranked team this year. They've beaten Michigan State. They've now turned around and beaten Cow. So they're going to be pesky, and and, uh, Jaden Daniels continues to impress. Um, So overall, good win for the Sun Devils. I mean, Cow have got to be super disappointed with that, super, super disappointed, despite losing Chase Garber's to an injury, Devon Modster struggled, um, and they were hoping that the cow defense could create something. They couldn't get enough, and Arizona State get a win.
1: This is the last of the undefeated Pac-12 sides, uh, and and they're now gone too. So. It, it did kind of play out as expected. It was a, a bit of a defensive tussle, not a whole heap happening offensively. Whilst uh, you know, Benjamin was good, he still kind of averaged less than three and a half yards a carry. So they, they went in with a game plan there to, to feed him the rock and it was enough. He had those three touchdowns, but he certainly wasn't Ripping apart this cow defense. Uh, that that injury early on, I think, really set them back. And Arizona State are, are a very competitive football team under Herm Edwards. They don't have that elite talent, but they're they're a good unit and they have done really well. I mean, that's two tough road uh, victories, as you said, against ranked teams. So, a lot of respect for them, and they could well be in the mix of a very open Pac-12.
0: For sure. Let's stay in the Pac-12 then, and let's go number 21, USC, uh, head up to Husky Stadium, and take on the number 17 team in the country, uh, and Washington get out of there with a 28-14 victory. What were your takeaways from this particular game?
1: I mean, this one played out pretty much as expected. I mean, I think for both of you and I, we, we thought that Washington were a much better football team and that they would kind of be able to assert their dominance over a, a freshman quarterback going into a tough environment. And that's fairly well how it played out. They kind of jumped them out of the gates and, and led 14 uh, nothing in the first. And USC tried to, to claw back, but... They, they weren't able to do that, uh, at which point it really plays into Washington's hands. They, they like to build a lead and then lean on their defense to blanket sides, and, and they were able to do that again. Uh, Jacob Eason adds a different element to this side with, with what he brings, and it wasn't his best game by far. But he's still a weapon for them, and, and it opens up a lot of options, especially in in the run game. And that was where they really gashed USC on the weekend. It was uh, Salvin Ahmed, seventeen carries and over 150 yards. Uh, that's big time. Um, and then they had a whole swag of others running the ball. I think they had you know th- over 35 rushes uh, and and good numbers going there. So. That, that whole dynamic of good defense, uh, a dude with a cannon arm that can stretch the field and then a propensity to run the ball will, will win you a lot of football games. So Chris Peterson's doing what he does and winning football games in the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got a question for you in a sec. I just want to touch on Jacob Eason for a moment because I think he's a bit of a poor man's Jake from. I can see why Georgia let him go. I think they're similar. They're shifty. He is sneaky, athletic. Probably got a little bit more than Jake from from a, a pure running ability, but not much. He relies on a big arm, but he's still up and down. Like he was, he floated a few passes, and his his technique is inconsistent at times. I think and. He just misses too much, and again, you look at his his line sixteen for twenty six, one hundred and eighty yards. That's very Jake From like, and I I still I don't trust him. I don't trust him to go and win a game uh, for them. Now he didn't have to because he's playing against a third string quarterback in Matt Fink. Uh, and and the, they didn't – USC didn't throw the ball down the field at all. And when you watch the replay, watch the replay of this game and the Washington safeties were just triggering hard on any short throws, any bubble screens, any quick hitches, anything to the flat. And those safeties were just coming down hard and rocking uh, those receivers for USC and they just couldn't get anything going deep. Uh, and those – those kind of 50-50 balls that he threw up last week that he got away with against Utah didn't get away with them this week against the Huskies through three in, uh, interceptions now a quick one though does this buy this third string quarterback situation does the the quarterback situation buy Clay Helton an extra year does this give him a get out of jail free card
1: oh yeah maybe Maybe there is the potential that that's the case. I'm not sure because they are a restless bunch uh, in Southern California and the the murmurings were already around when he got extended that year. So I'm not sure that it does. It does offer an excuse to say, hey, what it is. But I think they're probably already now looking at potential candidates. None of this would be happening publicly, obviously. But I think in the background, there are some conversations happening. There are some consultants being hired. And I think the wheels are in motion for for this program to identify their next head boy.
0: Okay. Like... All right. Uh, yeah, fair enough. All right. So Washington get out of that one, twenty-eight to fourteen. So a couple of touchdown wins there. As we move on to a pseudo ACC champion, uh, pseudo ACC championship game. It's not a championship game, but a pseudo ACC game. Notre Dame taking on Virginia. Now we have talked about it uh, a little bit already, but uh, Notre Dame were down at halftime, and like you said, they came at, uh, the who's came out, and you know. That pooch kick, they got that possession, couldn't put any points on the board. From then, it was all downhill for uh, the Cavs and Notre Dame really took over. But I mean, the story of it has to be that defense with Julian uh, Aquara and Khalid Kareem just causing absolute mayhem on that offensive line. Uh, And then Bryce Perkins, who... We said if you could shut him down in the run game, if you can take that away and make him a passer, you give yourself a chance. Now, he still threw for 334 yards. A lot of that was in the first half, and a lot of it came from awkward plays. And this is where he's so dangerous. It's this: It looks ad-libbed, but it's probably not for him. So it'll be like a fake jet sweep or a jet motion, and then he'll turn and run with it. And all of a sudden, he'll just pull up and, and, and lob a ball over to someone. And it's all these awkward, out-of-position plays that he makes that makes him so difficult to defend. He's not a true passer, but because he can extend plays with his feet, he does move guys open just for, for the amount of time that he's able to keep a play alive. But they picked him off a couple of times. Um, he had through a number of fumbles as well. Uh, and, I mean, a lot of credit needs to go to that that Notre Dame defense I thought they were fantastic, and the offense was was serviceable. Uh, Ian Book did what he needed to do, and Tony Jones did a good job on the ground for the run game. Well, obviously, he had a massive game, three touchdowns, over 130 yards. So I was really impressed with Notre Dame being able to bounce back. I'm pretty confident that I called this ish. Um, I'm just going to give a little brag there. I don't think Virginia that good. I think they're fractionally one-dimensional. I think they're certainly stoppable. They're well-coached. Their defense is good, um, but they just don't have the athletes, particularly on the outside, out of outside of Hassis Dubois, to be able to uh, run with the super-athletic uh, teams uh, across the country.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good summation, mate. I, I'm with you on most of that. The only thing I'll say uh, after watching this is that Bryce Perkins is certainly a gamer. I mean, I, I really enjoyed his first half especially. He, he doesn't have that cannon arm that a Jacob Eason's got, but his ball placement was exceptional and and it was just that touch that some dudes have and some don't and he was just able to consistently drop the ball exactly where it needed to be, hitting people in stride. So it's it's not necessarily these long strikes that are on a rope that are out there, but they are just you know, an understanding of where, what a defense is doing, where your receiver is going to be, that ultimate connection and making sure you're chucking it up and and putting it in that spot for them to succeed. And and he was able to do that. So I was was super impressed with that until, as you mentioned, Notre Dame's defense really put the clamps on and, and were able to put a stop to it all.
0: Okay, so where does this leave both of these two teams? You've got Notre Dame who... Obviously, drop that tight one to Georgia. Are they still a shot at the playoff for one? And then Virginia, are they good enough to win the Coastal? Uh, or is that offensive line, which has shown to be a bit of a weakness probably after this game, are they good enough to go and win the Coastal still? And if so, can they you know, push Clemson or even beat them uh, considering their pretty slow start to the first third of the year?
1: So to begin with, on Notre Dame's front, they need a lot to go their way now, essentially. They need Georgia to be the best team in the country from here on out and win all of their games and then win the SEC and not only win the SEC, but beat Alabama who or whoever it is that they come up against in a relatively convincing fashion to the point where you don't question you know, whether that's a, a better loss than the one that Notre Dame had. Because that's what they need, really. They they need it to be like, well, we were kind of close with these guys. So if there is a fourth spot, that's the one we can slot. Outside of that, they don't really have a chance for that national one, in my mind. Uh, Virginia, on the other side, they're they're a good team. They're going to be in the conversation for battling it out in the ACC, but they're still two levels below where Clemson's at. And then when Clemson get an opportunity to play them in that title match, if it is them, and that, I mean, they have as, as much claims to it as anyone else from what they're doing at the moment. I don't have any great confidence in saying that they are or they are not the team that's going to get there. They potentially could, but there's the whole ACC outside of Clemson is still just a bit of a mess. And they're one of those teams They're they're on the better end of it, but I'm not saying that they're a, a good football team that will certainly, you know, bounce back from this one and make their way out.
0: All right, let's go rapid fire through the power five. So let's start in the pack 12. We very rarely do that, but Utah crush Washington state 38 to 13. Uh, I did catch this game in Washington State. Looked to be sort of in a bit of control early, but then Utah just closed this out. This to me for Wash for Utah isn't this game to me isn't the issue. It's the fact that they lose the USC game. That's got to be heart wrenching for them now. And the same can be said about Washington and their loss to Cow. I think those two teams continue to show that their best is so good enough, but they have these shit games that is part of college football on a week-to-week basis, and that's why we love it, is that the team that shows up for Utah next week might not be the same team that that beat Washington State, which is a fantastic thing to to watch and see and experience, and it can be extremely frustrating, but gee, those losses have got to hurt the Pac-12. Yeah, that's an interesting rapid fire. Sorry, oh, I just gave a little bit of a quick take there. Um, all right, all right, Stan. Well, you won't have much on this one, but Stanford downs Oregon State, thirty-one to twenty-eight.
1: Yeah, no, nothing there. Cool, no, late field goal.
0: Late field goal. Uh, I mean, that's not a great win for Stanford. They are a bit of a mess at the moment. Not a mess, but they're certainly having a down year. Arizona gets over UCLA, who are progressing from bad to kind of plucky, 20 to 17. Probably early in the year, they're losing that game by about 40 points. So are UCLA on the up? Uh,
1: Arizona without Khalil Tate, who is massive for them. So no is my short answer.
0: Okay. across into the ACC. Alex Hornibrook led FSU to a win over NC State 31-13. And we might go to the vet again with FSU next week, but they appear to be going a fraction better at the moment. Your thoughts on Cam Akers, Alex Hornibrook, the lefty starting at FSU, and are they on the improve or is Willie Taggart still in trouble?
1: Nah, he's in trouble. I I watched that game because we had uh, some of the money on the punt on that one, so one of the screens I had going had that one, and every time I would watch it, they were doing something fucking shit. Like they were giving (laughs) up penalties, there was undisciplined shit, they were missing assignments. It was just a rabble. I mean, they won convincingly in the end, but when I was watching it, I was just continually baffled by a team that's supposed to have all this elite talent just looking terrible.
0: Yeah, I mean... I guess that's possibly more a reflection of NC State then rather than FSU. All right, Clemson squeak home over UNC twenty We've discussed this a little bit, but something does seem to be a little bit off at Clemson at the moment. Uh, Alabama jumped them in the AP poll, which I think is well and truly justified. That triple option play on the two-point conversion, I don't know if I agree with the play call. Don't have an issue with them going for it, although it does show that you don't believe in your team to get them in overtime. But the triple option ugh, just didn't look quite right for the Tar Heels. And Clemson get home okay. Is there any reason to be too concerned uh, for if you're a Tigers fan?
1: No, no not at this stage. They, they have one of these results every year where there's a tight tussle on the road with a team that's not as good as them and they've been lucky enough to get out. I mean, it's only lately, really, that we've had this era of quite a number of undefeated teams making it all the way through the year. Um, I remember not all that long ago where teams, like, you just didn't have it you might get one undefeated team, but people people drop games at the college level all the time. And I think we're kind of a little bit privileged to have these insanely talented and well-coached squads at the moment that they are kind of distancing some themselves from it, but they're not immune to it. And you're going to see this stuff. Alabama's going to have a game like this somewhere along the year. It might not be against an unranked team, uh, but – they're going to have a, a close game on the road. It's, it's just the nature of things. When you're getting everyone's best shot every week, all you have to be is 10% off and you're, you're a chance of copping one on the chin.
0: Yeah. All right, Wake Forest, who potentially are the best team in the ACC at the moment. They continue on their winning ways, and they dispatch a Boston College 27-24. Georgia Tech lose to Temple 25-2. to So, <laughs> cool. Wreckham <laughs> Tech, oh, that offense is a tough watch at the moment, but nothing that we didn't expect. So, you know, if you're a Tech fan, stay in there. Uh, it'll things Good things come to those who wait. Or sometimes never at all, but we can hope. Pitt beat Delaware, very scratchy by the Panthers a week after pushing Penn State. Syracuse also won in the ACC. Across into the SEC, whoa, Auburn destroys Mississippi State 56-23. And I think both you and I were extremely impressed with the Tigers. I mean, they're up 42-9 at the half. The running game was on point. It looked like it, it. looked like to me that if Gus Malzahn was having a wet dream, this is what it would look like. Lots of jet motion. Lots of uh, you know, a lot of dressing, as they say, put on on a lot of these plays. Uh, some wildcat stuff thrown in there. A couple of gadget plays, and then use the run to set up play action and take a couple of deep shots. And Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams are on the receiving end of that field day from the running game. And on top of that, you've got a dominant defense. So Auburn looking fantastic at the moment.
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly there. They have well and truly vaulted themselves up into the best teams in the country conversation for mine.
0: Well, maybe we will explore that a little more later in the week. Alabama crush Ole Miss 59 to 31. If you said to me at the start of the weekend that Old Miss would score 31 points, I probably thought that they would keep it within two touchdowns. They didn't do that. They got creamed effectively, and we spoke a little bit about Devonta Smith's big game. Texas AM down Arkansas 31 27. Kellen Mond was good again through the air for the Aggies, but I feel like it's going to be like a record year for him where he sets some sort of A&M passing record or something and we don't really hear about it because that running game can't get going. South Carolina beat Kentucky 24-7 and the Wildcats season is quickly spiraling out of control uh, they haven't won in the SEC yet and may find getting on the board there a tough, tough job. Florida and Vandy also won. Any thoughts on any of those SEC games, William?
1: Uh, the only one I will say with Kentucky was that that was kind of what we were expecting coming into the year. They just they had so much turnover. A lot of talent left that program and not a... Uh, not a lot of players in general with ex- starting experience
0: came back, so to be expected. Okay, into the Big Twelve, Oklahoma just continued to wreck house uh, against Texas Tech. Now you know WWE better than I do. Who's that giant guy like Henry or something? Massive, the Big Show, fat black guy.
1: Oh, oh nah, like- sexual chocolate.
0: <laughs> maybe yeah uh, when he would just come in and just start throwing dudes out of the ring that is what oklahoma is doing to any team that they come across yeah
1: no that's a good analogy finally you've got one that's kind of resonated with me
0: <laughs> i can't think of who it is though and, and it's mark henry. mark henry mark I henry that's him <laughs> thought you would have got that you're a wrestling fan from back in the day absolutely uh, okay, so Oklahoma win that one 55-16. Oklahoma State get over K-State 26-13. to 13. Uh, Like we said about Devonta Smith being a bit of a freak and we probably need to stop saying his name in that way. Chuba Hubbard is that as well. We need to stop saying him as a, an absolute freak because we know that. He just put up another 296 yards and a touchdown. What were your thoughts on the pokes and their... Probably a little bit more defensive game than we expected, uh, but a 26-13 to 13 win either way.
1: That is uh, three 200-plus yard games in five outings now this year. So he is traveling all right. And they are uh, certainly working around him at the moment. They're, they're feeding him the ball every opportunity they can. Uh, and then when they start to bunch in and, and close down on that, you invariably get Tyler Wallace one out and then they just – Get him on a deep post or a slant or a bubble screen or something. And all he needs to do is break a tackle, and he's out the gate too. So it was it was good. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, are, are a very exciting team, as you know. I've kind of mentioned a number of times they didn't really light things up in this one, but they did enough. They they took what was required of them or what they needed to, I suppose. Uh, and then surprisingly, the defense stood up. They actually played really well on defense, which is nice to see, and managed to get a a good home win, the first uh, home game since Boone Pickens' passing. So they had a a few little things uh, in memory of him as well.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, Quick question, yes or no, should Tuba Hubbard be invited to the Heisman uh, Awards at the end of the year? Should he,
1: like as of right now, or do I think he
0: will be? Sorry, will he?
1: Uh, no, no. I, I don't expect these numbers to continue. I, I mean, Kansas State is supposed to be one of the better uh, defences in the Big 12, so what's to say <laughs> maybe maybe they do? I don't know. But, yeah, I, I'm as... I wouldn't say as surprised as anyone else because I knew it was going to be a stud coming into this year. But Bloody 300 yards of running back position from 25 carries is just phenomenal. And there's there's just so much other talent out there and the fact that it's a quarterback race, there's going to be Tua going, there's going to be, I don't know, Anthony Gordon or another quarterback will go along with Tua, Jalen Hurts probably. And then... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough to look past Jonathan Taylor at the running back position. So it he could well certainly be in the conversation. I just think that he's not going to have the numbers continuing on the way that he does. Although I bloody hope he does.
0: Okay, Uh, that was a long-winded yes or no answer. TCU (laughs) wallop Kansas fifty-one to fourteen. Baylor sneaky undefeated in the Big 12 role a bit of a laboring Iowa State team 23 to 21 something doesn't quite feel right in Ames either uh, Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy just haven't got that offense going consistently like they did last year any thoughts on those games
1: yeah I'm not so sure with that Baylor Iowa State one because that was uh, actually a tight one I did have this one up as well and they both teams had their chances. I think uh, Matt Campbell's Cyclones were on the road. It, it's not probably the most daunting of environments down at Baylor, but it's not an easy place to play. And for them to certainly be in that match and then lose it late is is no real, you know, super disappointing outcome for them. They, they will certainly be. Uh, not happy with the way that played out but it's a good Baylor team so it's kind of one of those coin flips that you can come up on the wrong side of I am um, this is as much Baylor is a good football team than it is anything else So I'm not saying that Matt Campbell's struggling and Iowa State is struggling they lost David Montgomery Kelvin Harmon as we've mentioned
0: um, but Baylor are good I guess is what I'm trying to say Okay, another long winded response there. Thank you, William. In the Big Ten, Penn State crushed Maryland 59 to nothing. Ohio State destroyed Nebraska 48 to seven. And they are really good. Full stop, no questions. Nothing really needs to be added there. Wisconsin have a few issues with Northwestern, but it never really gets close. They do get the job done 24 to 15. Iowa beats Middle Tennessee comfortably. Michigan crush Rutgers. Michigan State needs 19 points in the last quarter to get over the upset-minded Indiana, 40-31, to 31, and Minnesota over Purdue, 38-31. to 31. Any thoughts on Big Ten games? No, I, I
1: rambled on regarding the Big 12, so I might Twice. just cut it short on the Big Ten there, mate twice
0: yeah uh, i think justin fields is probably one that will get an invite to the heisman ceremony i think ohio state look to be almost unbeatable uh in the big 10 it'll be an interesting i you can all, i think I, I don't see anyone apart from Ohio state and wisconsin making that big 10 championship game we don't need to dive into that too far now but i i see that playing out that way those two teams seem to be well above the rest of the pack that's good, because you could like All sense, right, me, we better.
1: You could sense me winding up there, so then you just close the door. That was That's clever.
0: Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. Helmet sticker time. Uh, so, William, take us. So who are the big players in this week five of college football?
1: Okay, so leading things off, uh, you mentioned him off the top of the show, Devonta Smith, uh, 11 catches, 274 yards, and five touchdowns. Fuck yeah, now... That's uh pretty that's pretty good through five weeks of football. Uh, and, and he's yeah. had that in, in the one game. So congratulations, mate. Get yourself a sticker. The dude chucking him the ball, broken Alabama records, six touchdowns, uh to a Tugavaya lower. I feel like he's starting to fill his helmet up with little college football down under stickers. Uh, he yeah. went for over four hundred yards as well. Insane. Another one, Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's just so damaging uh, through the air uh, as much as he is with his legs. So he had another 400-plus yards, and that Lincoln-Raleigh offense is super impressive. Uh, Sean Clifford at Penn State uh, on the back of their huge victory was ultra-efficient had uh, 400 yards and three touchdowns. And then probably my the most impressive to me, at least, over the weekend on top of all those guys, Tanner Morgan at Minnesota. So they were in a tight tussle with Purdue. He went 21 of 22 for nearly 400 yards and four touchdowns. (laughs) That's insane. How do they not win by more? He only had one pass that wasn't completed and he threw the ball over 20 times and it was 400 yards. He wasn't just checking it down every time. Like, that's. I don't know what's going on, how that game was so close. I might need to go back to the tape because that's that's incredible. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, my boy, 296 yards. You get another sticker. CD Lamb catching the balls uh, out of Oklahoma. Uh, he had seven catches for 185 yards and three touchdowns. And then defensively, you mentioned him as well, Julian Aquara. At Notre Dame, he had three tackles for a loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles. He was just an absolute wrecking ball in that second half or across the whole game and was a real difference maker for the Fighting Irish.
0: I'm going to add one more defensively. Evan Weaver for Cow had 15 tackles on the day and he looks to be the best linebacker coming out this year. Uh, Not that I think he's in the class of the guys that went last year in... Dem Bush, Dem White, uh, but Evan Weaver, a really, really good one for Cow. Excellent. All right, Aussies in action, Will. Bang. Let's
1: go. So our Aussies in action, we still have the number one punter in all of college football, Max Duffy. Man, is he impressive. So not only is he the only bloke out there averaging over 50 yards a punt, but he had nine punts on the weekend, Of which he averaged over 51 yards. He almost sent the ball up and back the field five times. (laughs) Fucking hell. He's busy. So that is uh, really impressive. Um, The other Aussie who's been really good at a a bit of a smaller program New Mexico uh, is Tyson Dyer. So he had another five punts uh, at 48 yards and he's quietly moved himself into the top five of the rankings. So he's certainly in that Ray Guy conversation as well, which is really good to see. Um, Other boys who were impressive for us over the weekend, uh, Dane Roy at Houston had five punts uh, averaging over 46 yards. Uh, Hayden Whitehead at Indiana, uh, same deal, five punts, 46 yards. Uh, James Smith at Cincinnati, haven't had an opportunity to get his name in lately, and you know I like to do that. He only had the three punts, but he was averaging over 50 on them, so that was awesome. But my player of the week this week, and those of you who follow us on Instagram would have already seen this one come out, but it's our boy Cody Grace. This is the jacked punter out of Arkansas State, (laughs) your favourite. So he he, is is a weapon. (laughs) Uh, he had himself five punts uh, at an average of 49 and a half, which in its own right, impressive. But on top of that, big fella dropped back, fourth and long, fake, pass, bang, 15 yards, convert that, boy. So that one there really helped Arkansas State get the win. They were in a tight game and he's out there just throwing dimes. It was pretty ball too.
0: He looks like a linebacker. Actually, <laughs> he looks like a defensive end. He is massive.
1: Yes, sir. yes, he is. So those are uh, how all our Aussies, well not all of our Aussies, but our top performing Aussies went over the weekend.
0: Good stuff, Will. You are continually impressive on the punting stats. You just love getting in that punter's corner. You just hustle those numbers. Um, and I know this Aussie- is a stats man. I know the Aussie boys appreciate it as well over there. Um, We still need to work to get a couple of those boys on the show as well. All right, bold prediction time. I'm going to get mine over and done with very quickly. I said we're going to have a Towson, 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 Towson repeat of the LSU game that almost corresponded to the date of this one in 2012. I said they'd be up at halftime against Florida. Uh, Towson didn't score, and not only in the first half, but in the game at all. So that made it pretty hard to lead at halftime. I swung and missed again.
1: Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And by a wide margin again. But hey, that happens. We we, we keep going at this one. So I did see that they didn't score at all. And that was always going to be a a tough one there going up against Florida. Uh, I also missed again. And I also missed somewhat close, I guess. So I was two out of three. So my, uh, my prediction was that you would be wrong. Uh, and you weren't happy that this was uh, not yeah, bold well, enough. I went and well, multied the three of these together and it paid over 12 bucks. So that's like something paying 12 to 1, like if uh, it, it's not likely to occur. And I it guess it's my gripe. It didn't. <laughs> well, no, you're right. But the fact that you thought that it. I shouldn't be able to pick it because it probably might is just ridiculous. So I'm still bitter about that. But the one that didn't get up was that Maryland uh, Penn State game, which wasn't close. And yeah, that's that's another one where I've I've two out of three ain't bad. Meatloaf would have given it to me.
0: Okay, uh, let's wrap this bad boy up now. Get a feeling that you went actually okay and maybe in the money this week. Although every time I've said that this year, you're like, nah, struck out. So take us through uh, can the listeners take their tickets to the bank to receive some money or oh, not to the bank to the tab no
1: yeah your feelings are bad they're not they're not good they're not right they <laughs> okay. incorrect that's that sense that you get you need to get it checked you need to get it calibrated because we had another down week so uh, things are looking really promising early on uh, the, the first couple of games that we had went our way so we were two from two uh, to kick things off, which was super positive. And you know, I start getting a bit cocky, uh, up and about around the place, start throwing a few comments out there. Uh, we had what was it? Minnesota win over Purdue, so it was a pretty tight one, but but they got that. Uh, and we had Florida State cover against NC State. They they did that relatively comfortably in the end. So that was two from two, feeling good. Then we had Washington State at Utah. So as you kind of mentioned in the recap, it was, it was looking good to begin with. They were looking like they were somewhat on top and it was going to be a competitive matchup. And then they just got stomped out. So that wasn't close.
0: I want to just... Uh, and then to really... Another brag for me there. I said you shouldn't do that. Utah are too good. Yes. They're going to bounce back. Anyway, just a little brag by me.
1: No, that's cool because then you can we can go with what you also told me <laughs> is that betting <laughs> Nevada as a favorite to cover would be a good one too. So Nevada being favorites, I was actually on that side. What did they lose? Forty nine seven or some shit.
0: They got absolute. They got f- yeah, and fifty four to three.
1: 54, to, 54 three. to three. So that's even worse. So I, yeah, I was on the wrong side of that one, which is just bad punting. Like, oh, sorry, Rainbow Warriors, you're our team. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reading the message loud and clear. You were let down by me betting against you. Won't happen again. Yeah. Uh, so ultimately, I go down another two point three units. So that takes us to a total of negative ten point two. So. <laughs> Uh, we give out we give out ten units uh, a week. Now we're at the point where you would need to be getting going and asking for some more money from somewhere because all of the
0: units are gone. Okay, that's not. It feels um, like
1: game over. You know, like if I'm playing a game, it's the screen's kind of shaking and I've got a big white game over <laughs> at mine, but. You just boot it back up, right? That's how it works. And I'm feeling <laughs> yeah. this time around, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm learning. I'm gonna be all right.
0: I'm thinking you're hoping for a power outage so that the game can't be played anymore at all. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to take that little cartridge in, give it a blow, uh, put it back in, and uh, away we go again on the punt for Week Six, which you is- know what which is shaping up. Uh, Now, I haven't had a look too closely at the week six schedule, and obviously we'll get to it in a little bit more detail uh, in our preview show. But uh, I think there's a couple of juicy matchups to keep you interested. Um, Hopefully, there'll be something that we like the look of. Obviously, the Iowa-Michigan game appears to headline that. We've also got Auburn, Florida, a uh, high state, Michigan State. So there is a lot to get excited about for Week Six on the Marquee side. All right, if you haven't already, please make sure you do hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram at CFB Down Under. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. You can get that at all the usual podcasting locations, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, all the other places. Your podcast app. Please do subscribe, like, leave us a review. Um, and we can really look to push uh, college football down under, continue to make it big in the Australian market. We do thank our American supporters and our listeners from all over the globe as well. Uh, A little bit of a longer show again tonight. Uh, We've got a lot more material coming to you as we get through a third of the season. On behalf of that guy in the Adelaide Hills, Will Murden, for me, here in stormy, humid Japan. My name's Aaron, that's Will, and we will see you next time.